0: ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald.
1: Good morning, thank you for listening to our special edition of the Executive Girlfriends Group Show. We are holding it a little bit earlier today. So uh, let me start by introducing our guest today, Jane Jenkins-Hairlong. Did I rep- um, gosh, I am- let me just restart this. I, I uh, am tongue twisted. <laughs> okay. I am tongue twisted today. Good morning, this is Chickie Fitzgerald. It is Friday, March 14th. And it is my pleasure to introduce you to our guest today, Jane Jenkins-Hairlong. Did I pronounce that right, Jane? Yeah, that was good, Kiki. Okay, good. I should have asked you that before we started. Jane has written a a really, really wonderful book called Bury Me With My Pearls, and she uses the analogy of the pearl uh, to tell her story. Jane, why don't you give us a little bit of background on you before we dive into the book? Well, I am a low country, which is Charleston, specifically Johns
2: Island, South Carolina, girl. Grew up on a tomato farm, married a peach farmer, and now I live in the central part of South Carolina and still have my home in Charleston, which I love to go down there, because once you get pluff mud between your toes, that's about it. You're done.
1: you got to keep <laughs> going
2: back. <laughs> but
1: I am... Uh, um, I, and I love Charleston too. Every year when we decorate our Christmas tree, we've got the ornament that we bought when we were in Charleston, and I have very, very fond memories.
2: It is—it's a great place, and more people are discovering it, which is extremely interesting when you're trying, when you're navigating traffic. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. it. Really, is a wonderful place. It has so much to offer. So, I, th- those are kind of my roots. And I, when I married Thomas uh, Herlong and um, moved me up to this little tiny town called Johnston, I thought I was going to suffocate. <laughs>
0: um,
2: but I managed to start speaking, and uh, I had already been on the platform from my, my Miss America experience as Miss South Carolina, which was a truly eye-opening, life-opening experience for me. But I managed to take those skills furthered them on a, a larger platform to different associations and corporate events and it's just been a blessing and from that I started writing and uh, kind of had a secret desire in my heart to write and then started doing more comedy so I'm on series XM which has been great in Pandora and I'm doing original music as well so along with speaking, writing, and the digital presence, it's just, I'm just, I feel so very blessed. And the point is not about, you know, for for me to be doing all of this stuff as much as I want to share my message with other people. And I, I'm really having a heart for women because I'm middle-aged and I know that stress can just cave in on you. And I see so many people not living well and not, I mean, as a Christian, it's hard for me to sit back and, and not be vocal and try to right. give people help. You know, I just, that's my social work side of me that I went to college and studied. So
1: that's right, kind of it right. in a
2: nutshell. I have two children. They're a blessing. And, um, of course, one of them I want to beat. But um, he was getting there. I keep praying about that. Caroline's 23, and Holmes is 25, and he's a senior at Clemson University and has been for quite a while now. So that will give you a little heads up. But but God is good, and he's going to see us through, and I know he's got his hand on all of these things. So that's good.
1: Well, excellent. Well, tell us how this book came to be. I know you do have another book that you wrote, um, and maybe you could just give us kind of the, the story of leading up to writing this book.
2: When I was little, I remember just uh wanting a horse and I wrote about a page and I and and just just on a little piece of notebook paper and and just all of a sudden it's like something just triggered and you know how that works. It's like maybe God planting a seed and it might be really small and it might be a mustard seed, but it's something. And when I started speaking more, a lot of people said, Oh, you need a book, you need a book Well, I thought it would be funny because And during that time, it was, you know, segueing from the pageant world and using some things and making fun of pageants and making people laugh and some of the things I'd seen in interviews and some of the dumb stuff I'd done. So I wrote a little book called Bare Feet to High Heels. And the subtitle is You Don't Have to Be a Beauty Queen to Be a Beautiful Person. And it was just about the journey from my background, which was very meager, uh, my daddy was a very hard-working farmer. He was not an educated man, but he was a smart man and a hard-working, honest person. So he afforded many opportunities, and I appreciate to this day. So it's funny, and it's it's just a little fun journey. And that was sort of my back-of-the-room sales book. And then about 10 years ago, my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she actually passed away, but it wasn't from the breast cancer. It was from another mm-hmm. issue that she did not tend to, and she just would not go and get a mammogram and ended up having to have both of her breasts removed. So right. I wrote another book, and it, I really haven't had a chance to really push it, but it's a very cute book, and it's called What Tatas Teach Us. And it's all it's 20 life lessons we learn from being women, and specifically that part of our anatomy. And funny. it's Yeah, it's it has clever. a very
1: cute cover.
2: <laughs> it really is cute. I mean, I like that. And then all of a sudden, I started writing really 10 years ago. And the Tata book just came out two years ago. But And then I started writing this pearl book. My mother told me that her mother asked her to bury her with her pearls. And I started thinking about that, Chicky. I said, what a beautiful expression. Because you have to have pearls and accumulate pearls. To be buried with them or buried in 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 the book sense is- is developing maybe not in a, in a physical sense but in your right. in your life, so I started thinking about pearls, so I started writing the book and then we had a horrendous family problem after my father died. It broke my heart in a million pieces, and I just had to quit and That actually became the genesis of the book is It's called the Dark Pearl, and those are the times we just pray to god they hurry up and get over with right but for some reason they might linger and linger and this lingered for about 8 years and when my mother passed away and then my sister 5 months 4 months later it was it was unbelievable i just started writing and i just felt so led to write and it's a funny book it's not a serious um has a serious moments but a lot of women that are reading it and reviewing it on amazon i'm just shocked Going, ah, I tell everybody, well, it's number one in the Kindle, number two for women's issues, oh, number wow. eight for comedy, and I made a zero in writing.
1: But how <laughs> God can take oh. action. <laughs> I am, am so to encouraged because my son, <laughs> who is 13, uh, is just struggling so much in his writing class, and that's the one class that he had a, a C in, which uh, when he gets a C on his report card, he doesn't get to do his uh, heart's passion, which is fish, and so uh, today is the end of the the quarter, and so he is trying his hardest, and he he showed me two poems that he wrote last night, and and they're amazing, so hopefully uh, (laughs) we have a budding author on our hands.
2: (laughs) Well, he'll get there. I'm living a testimony to that. (laughs)
1: So, you know, I I just love the the chapter names, and I you know I can't read them all, um, or I'm I'm sorry all, all of the little sub stories within the chapters. But you just spoke about dark pearls, which actually has happens to be chapter six. And right. some of the subtitles there are Please remove this pearl from my strand Talk oh, is yeah. cheap unless you go to a therapist <laughs> Don't pop my pearls Don't shred my coat Thank you, Dr. Broom If you string it, they will come A half of Valium and a whole of Jesus Et cetera, et cetera So why don't we uh, dive in Just at the beginning of the book, if you will And you already told the story about your grandmother And your and your mother And uh, you know how she had And I actually love it At the beginning it says she had two suitcases and one, one was for the hospital and the other was for her funeral, and her, her pearls were clearly in the one for the funeral. Um, so uh, the next chapter of the book uh, is actually about the power of the irritant.
2: So why don't we yes. start there? You know, I think, Chicky irritants define us. I don't know about you, but I know, I bet you, you've been in Walmart and your child has had an all-out hissy fit in the toy aisle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, and Dr. Dobson would say, okay, there's this little trapeze muscle, and you can pinch it without going, without doing a whole lot more, and they will go, Wow, right. ow, ow. So <laughs> we can say we're patient. We can say we're loving. That's so cheap. When we have to be patient and loving, that's when we know what we are.
1: Exactly.
2: You're not who you think you are until you have to be who you, you say you are.
1: Oh, I and love boy, did
2: that ever tell you. So, the irritant to me was a little first grade diva. Her name was Deborah Sue. I was a tomboy. I lost my teeth, had big lips, grew into them. Thank you, Jesus. Mama said I would. <laughs> and <laughs> she got picked for the pageant, and I didn't. That irritated me. And I was just a small, coarse young girl. And I had a fish fishbowl, and my brother asked if he could use it for the pageant for the girls to retrieve questions. And I had that little tiny symbol of something that could be bigger if I opened my mind to it. And I remember going to that pageant and sitting in a broken chair and watching those girls. And I realized that right then it was like another nudge of you're going to do this one day. I couldn't imagine how. But had I not made a contribution towards that, it wouldn't have seemed possible if that makes sense. So anybody yes. listening, if you have a dream of something bigger than you can ever imagine, work slightly towards the goal in whatever way possible. You give what you have and keep trying to work towards that and just watch the doors open. And then all of a sudden, great big doors will open. And then could very easily be that you are there it could be there in another sense, or it could be there in the sense of your desire of your heart. But you got to start somewhere. You just can't say, no, I can't do that. Right. And if you're passionate about it, you are got to make it work. So in my case, the fishbowl was a contribution towards that event. And 17 years later, I'm at Miss America. I was told I had a low IQ. I was um, fired from teaching. I was told I was dyslexic. I could not make decent grades on my PSAT, my SAT, my ACT. And I tell people I even took the (laughs) D-U-M-B. And so (laughs) so (laughs) I ended up just not letting no be no. But when I hear no, I think next. No is a good word because no should shift your brain. And in my book I say quit hoping for things that are hopeless. Hopefully right. something hopeful, goodness. You know, switch your exactly. thinking. I call and it doing men- a mental hokey pokey. Turn it around. <laughs> Shake it off. <laughs>
1: Jane, one of the things I love uh, about this book, and and as I as I read through the the different little sub chapters that you put in here, that one was called "I Don't Like You, Deborah Sue," and yeah. you know, I mean you just gave us a, an incredible nugget out of that. But I love how you end end that section. Thank you, Deborah Sue. But I still don't like you. <laughs> You know, being real, I mean, there, there's just no substitute for that. And, you know, I think one of the things, uh, and, you know, you talked about being a Christian, I think one of the things that gets the church hung up is that people pretend, uh, or, or they only talk about the perfect side of things. Oh, As yeah. if they have achieved everything. And I just love it when I hear about people being real and, and you know, talking about things that go on in their life. Because if you don't, no one else can ever have hope. That's so true.
2: That's so true. I mean, it's a, you know, I would never go up to someone that I knew that had had something happen that I had experienced and say, oh, I know how you feel. That is the worst thing to say. No, you don't. Now, if someone had a similar experience, I could identify somewhat. But right. oh my goodness. You you just you cannot identify unless you walked in that path. And that's where God puts us many times. Right. So we
1: can reach out to other people and say, "Oh yeah, I get it." Definitely definitely. So, um let's move on a little bit. So the the next chapter is called the oyster shell and <laughs> and it's it's really talking about our our homes. It is. We have to create an environment for our children with the toxins
2: just like in the oyster shell on the outside. And we have to protect that that jewel, that that pearl on the inside. And that is where parenting is not a fun job, but it's a rewarding job. And you know, the truth is, Chickie, even when you do everything right, there are no guarantees. Right? You and I both have seen families do everything in their best interest, and all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh,
1: something. I have happened. been that child. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fortunately, well. I've got really good children <laughs> who, who are. Uh, Uh, Well, just going on 14 and 16, and uh, I am so grateful that they are not where I was when I was those ages.
2: Well, I'll tell you, it's a job. There are so many toxins, much more than when my children are in their 20s now. And when they were the ages of your children, I mean, if they were right now, my parenting job would be even more aggressive because you just have to say, you know, that is staying on the outside of this home that is not coming into this home and my children appreciate that now they they look around at at some of their their um people their age and hear their stories and go oh my gosh and that's when your parents start your children start saying thank you thank you we get it you know right but it's a, it's a toughy but it's it's something that must be done and it's it's just Parenting, when people say to me, you know, I just don't feel led to have children, I just want to send them a thank you note. Good. Because <laughs> if you don't want to do it, don't you even think about doing it.
1: Really? Because it is hard enough, enough even when you want it. It's <laughs> like this little
2: girl suing her parents. Really? Ugh. You know, that's it all over the news. But um, I, don't, I, I just think, you know, you can't do too much, and you can't not do. I mean, Dr. Dobson said... I love his writings, um, James Dobson. And he said, you know, if your child wants that $200 jacket that makes him feel part of the crowd, buy it. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> common sense stuff. And so, uh, yeah, and yet there are things like, I mean, my daughter came home and, Mom, I want a cell phone. And she was probably in the fifth grade. I said, well, you're not going to get a cell phone as a fifth grader. You know, right. and Now, now it's a different story many times you can you can give them some type of way to communicate with you and um it seems to be probably i would i may rethink that you know because of the the times we live in but right. back when years ago that was unheard of because somebody in her class got one so you've got to be you got to be smart and you and you've got to i mean we can all spoil our children to death and in my opinion they're all spoiled but we could really make them ridiculously bad. This child in Walmart. I keep talking about Walmart, uh, but this child had a fit, and I heard this child saying, "This is sad. There's nothing else I want."
1: Now that's <laughs> sad, right there. That Actually, I would bad. I would record that and say, "Remember when you said that?" Actually, you know, it's funny because you're uh, in your first chapter. You talk about giving up Walmart for Lent. My <laughs> daughter gave my daughter gave up want for Lent. She can only do need. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so she has masterfully redesigned need. <laughs> How funny. Yeah, she, she is, is a good, real That is very pitch. smart. Well, you know, and I remind her of, and, uh, you know, of course, we don't normally, uh, uh, you know, Lent isn't a big thing in our house because we've and none of us have ever been Catholic, and Presbyterians, you know, I'm not even sure we knew about Lent. As I was growing up, yeah, y'all
2: don't. But I I was raised (laughs) an Episcopalian, and um, 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 had to join the Methodist Church. I say I had to. It's like I'm in prison. But um, Thomas says all of his people are
1: ministers. I'm just so thankful he didn't go that route. Oh my gosh, I wouldn't have lasted a, a week my dad was a, a presbyterian minister and my mother's family uh they were missionaries in korea but they were methodist minister or methodist missionaries and my dad always said it was easier to cool down a methodist than to warm up a presbyterian so <laughs> so that's why <laughs> that's uh, she became a presbyterian yeah so the the next uh chapter uh continues uh on the topic of children and and precious pearls and uh, I know we have a lot of listeners who don't have kids, but but share with us a, a few of your stories here. Well, I love family times,
2: and a lot of the the little funny stories I wrote about is like when <laughs> going like I don't think I don't, did I put the prom in that part. I have to look it up. I've got my book with me. Um, we had the best time when my daughter. She's mom. We got to get a limo. <laughs> I was speaking in Texas, and somebody introduced me by saying, I need a pair of white, a clear acrylic shoes with a four-inch heel and a T-strap. And I'm going, what is she doing? Our speaker today, and I just couldn't believe it. She said, it's the prom. I thought she was going to cry before she introduced me. I thought, what? And then I realized, no, no, it's just not Texas. It's South Carolina, too. It's a big deal. I mean, I'm yes. riding down the road. I see on the big electric sign, Sarah, will you go to the prom with me, Joseph? I went. What? I mean, the, so the high schools, you know, they're all into that big doodah about asking for the prom. Well, anyway, my child wanted a limo, so I told her. I said, I cannot imagine this kind of money. I'm going. To, I mean, Daddy and I would spend. Thomas's office, his New York Life insurance office, is in the funeral home office. <laughs> i t tell you, the town is so small, it's unbelievable. So I joke around and always say, New York life or death. You know, when people walk in the door, I give them that line. So um, t- Caroline said, Mama, can Miss Betty at the funeral home drive us to the prom? I said, No, oh she may gosh. have been yes. death. You know, so I called my friend. Everybody's got a friend who has friends everywhere, you know. So I called my friend Calvin. So then I said, Calvin, I need a limo. He said, All right, I'm on it. This guy called me named Happy. I'm thinking, are you a pimp? That's all I can think. <laughs> are you a pimp? That's how my brain works. And so he told me how much he was going to charge, to take the children in the limo, and sit and park right by the prom for like three hours. I thought, oh, no, that's not going to work. So I called all my girlfriends. I said, come on, we're going, for, we're going out to eat. So I had Happy meet us at the Waffle House right by the interstate <laughs> and take us out. So we went out to eat and went to Dunkin' Donuts and Bonefish Grill had a ball. <laughs> all my girlfriends. And um, what was the funniest part of the whole thing is when the the limo pulled up at the Waffle House, the doors. It looked like somebody set a bomb off. It exploded. And all the waitresses ran out saying, we won, we won. <laughs> they thought they'd won the Publishers House giveaway.
1: <laughs> oh, how funny. Isn't that
2: hilarious? So. Those are some fun family times, and then the um, the trips that I've been able to go on with, and from my speaking, I have some wonderful experiences to give the children. And um, they've been with me and and Thomas, and we we've been to Paris, and oh my gosh, those family times you can't get back. I mean, you know, with your children the ages they are, you see, uh oh, this is running out. And we just came back from New York over Christmas, and I did the cheapy reapy trip because you can get it pretty, pretty reasonable if you go after the first of the year. So, those those family times are so valuable, you can't put a price on them, and no. just the memories, you know. And and when your children talk about family times, every time my family says, "Remember when?", You know, we bought a tacky boat with blue sparkles all over it. I thought Thomas had lost his mind and um we enjoyed that little boat forever and we laugh about that thing and um so we had we've had some fun times and i just wanted to highlight some of those because i i do believe of that those times are precious they they pull us together and that's
1: what family's all about so moving on uh to chapter 4 you you uh, tell some stories about the importance of stringing your strand yes we all have a choice
2: what we add to our strand and what we take off of our strand and either it's going to define us or we're going to define it and the longer i live the more i realize we have to craft that strand to in and, and to be in our best interest and our problems can become a treasure or a tragedy And I remember one of the stories I write is when my son was a little boy, we went to the Clemson football game in uh, Clemson, South Carolina, of course. And when uh, my daddy was in a motorhome, he had his knee replaced, and it was homecoming. And Thomas took the children to see the floats. And it's a ways away from where we parked in in this motorhome my daddy had. And I told my son, I said, hold on to daddy. You know, he starts looking around, just hold on to daddy. So was it wasn't ten minutes later, my I heard bang, 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 bang on the motorhome door, and I opened it, and there was my little toddler child. I mean, he was probably about, he wasn't a toddler. He was about five, and he was crying, and he said, Daddy, lost me, and just crying and crying. And what hit me, Chickie, was, oh, my gosh, how did you find your way back here? It's a <laughs> sea of people and motorhomes and cars. Right. And he told me, he said, Mama, you told me I was smart. And I thought to myself, let me think when I told him he was smart. Oh, yeah, he was eating that dead bird in the yard. (laughs) And I could have said, you are so stupid. Get that bird out of your mouth. But instead, I said, you are smarter than this. Take that bird out of your mouth. You're smart. Act smart. Just a play. And words hurt, man. Words can cripple people. Right. So just little things like that. And, of course, years later... We take him to school, and I told him, I said, "Son, you're smart. Remember that." And I'm still telling him that because I cannot wait for that child to walk across that stage and get that diploma.
1: But you have to <laughs> sow
2: those seed pearls.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, I love the analogy. Well, and and, and anybody who loves pearls, you know, probably has seed pearls and, and necklaces that are the irregular pearls. My favorite are my dark pearls. So I'm, I had never thought about it in the context of, of what you're talking about here in your book. Um, and, you know, the, the next one is actually God Loves Damaged Pearls.
2: Oh, yes, And, he does. Uh, you know,
1: this is just so true. So talk to me a little bit about this.
2: I guess one of the endorsements in this book came from Miss America, Cheryl Pruitt Salem. And she and I were in the Miss America pageant together. And she was in a terrible accident when she was probably 12, 13 years old. She was thrown through the windshield of her car and it crushed her leg. And she limped and one leg just quit growing completely because the growth plate was, it was just a mess. But mm-hmm. she felt in her heart. And this is one of these things that a lot of people don't, may not be able to grasp. But I, because I know her and I love her and I spent a lot, I spend a lot of time with her but she ended up being miss america but she actually had just a miracle healing in her in her leg and she it was what i would call a damaged pearl and how god used that and put her in the national spotlight so she could share her story with other people mm. and um she's just a great friend and i just i just love her And then there are several other stories, like when I have judged these different pageants on the other side of the table, and the the state, you know, like State Miss America and State Miss USA competitions. And I have met so many girls who who just have a a powerful story. Uh, One girl that I judged, she was the the best attitude, and ended up being third runner up to Miss North Carolina. But the journey that she took from her roots to where she was on that stage, an absolutely gorgeous girl who was so excited that she made it that far. And But probably the most riveting story is when I was judging the Miss North Carolina USA pageant and I heard the gasp and a girl in swimsuit had spinal bifida and walked across the stage. It was She was so deformed and nobody knew what to do. And you could start wow. you could hear a ripple of of clapping, and then it got to be thunderous applause and We had no idea and we found out later that this a brave soul had always wanted to be in a pageant and asked the pageant director who could not refuse her entry right and she entered, and that was on her bucket list. And after after she walked across the stage in swimsuit, we didn't see her again. She left. But that was the one thing she wanted to do. I thought it was amazing. The pageant wow. world, people look at it cheeky and think, oh, a bunch of narcissistic, you know, women, blah, blah, blah. But it is an amazing world of self-improvement, self-confidence, and giving right. back. It truly is. I've met some of the most magnificent women. The, this one, another friend of mine that. that endorsed the book, lost 125 pounds and made it as a as a, a top ten at Miss America. I mean, just the fact that she can talk to young girls who may be struggling with their weight and say, you too right. can lose this weight, but you have to have a goal of passion and break it down. So, I right. mean, it's fantastic what I have seen this, and it's any competition. It doesn't have to be Miss America. It doesn't have to be Miss USA. It doesn't have to be anything. But any competition completely pushes you to find your best self to
1: compete. Right. Well, we've come back around to to the chapter on dark pearls. And and I love uh, the quote that you have at the beginning of that chapter. Don't ask God to get rid of your problems and don't merely tolerate them. Welcome them as gifts and you will find God's way through them view your problems as the next steps to growth for you and that was uh, by dr henry cloud i love him i love his
2: books i love this was the this was the book right here if this book had to be condensed into a chapter it's this and it was the hardest thing i've ever been through in my life it was the darkest time of my life and yet i knew in my heart that god had a plan for me to do to confront this and my daddy was very stressed out. He was. He made. Can you imagine making your living in three weeks, basically? Mm. My brother had always been a challenge, and we knew that he had been married six times. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. It's like he didn't have trouble getting married. He had trouble staying married. I remember one time mm-hmm. I said, "Can you get a? Can you get a um a learner's permit?" <laughs> That's what I loved about my mother. She always had a great sense of humor when she would say, she called me one time and she said, I think your brother is weak-minded. I said, uh, what do you mean? She said, the first initial of every one of his wives' names is a day of the week. And I thought about it and said, oh, my gosh, she's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and then she got to Sunday and there was not another S. And she said, oh, thank God, it's a day of rest. And I thought, oh, Mama, that was a good one. But oh, see, well, funny. this is just how... You have to deal, no disrespect meant to any problem or tragedy, but you have to find the levity. When God gives you a little ha-ha, it's like him saying, you're going to be okay. But my daddy passed away, and I thought we were all on the same page. And all of a sudden I start hearing stuff like, you know, deep-rooted jealousy. And I'm thinking, oh, brother, this is not good. Because jealousy and greed and all of those qualities and things can grip you and take you so down right. and I just literally my brother bless his heart you know just he had just so messed up his life my daddy told me before he died so this created my mother as a sitting duck to be taken advantage of and she was and I'm as the baby of the family I had to step up to the plate and say no this will stop right. and unfortunately my mother Listening to my brother-in-law, signed away a lot of her her um, assets, not knowing what she was doing. She'd had um, open-heart surgery. And my mother had to sue my sister. That oh, was the worst time of my life. And my sister was living next door to my mother on property that my mother gave her. It was beautiful land. And my oh, sister, my she gosh. just went into a downward spiral. And uh, I had to be the one just to... Uh, that's kind of how I end the book. Uh, to jump to the end of the book, I said that my mother and my second mother, Tootsie, were the the inner protection, the Nakri, what they call it. But I had to be my mother's Nakri.
1: Mm. I
2: guess that's how you pronounce that word. But I had to be the protect. I had to protect my mother, and it was very difficult. My sister and I were very close, but but I could tell you one thing. The point of that book is it doesn't matter really in the light of eternity what you go through but it sure heck matters how you handle what you go through because it can take you down and that that dark pearl they used to throw it away they thought it was damaged but it is the most valuable cuz only one in every 10,000 is dark
1: and we should look you at know, our and i i did not like that. know that uh, that statistic but it it uh, will definitely make me value both my physical <laughs> dark pearls uh, that i own uh, but but also the dark pearls i i have a talk that i give about black holes and diamonds which is is a, a very similar kind of analogy and maybe that's what my book needs to be uh, that each one of us um has has something that precludes the good things in our life and if you line up your life with uh say your spouse or or even your best friend you find that the the thing that brought you together uh each one of you had a bad thing right before that 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 preceded it right and and you know every time i've gone through this it it plays out and the day that i was going to give this talk and 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 It wasn't even called Black Holes. I don't recall what the original title was, but it it was about finding those diamonds, you know, in your life. And I looked, and I thought a diamond mine was going to be like a coal mine, you know, a hole in the side of a a hill, and you go in and, you know, burrow down. No, it's this gigantic, big black hole that's miles across, and, uh, you know, and and. That's why diamonds are so expensive, is the, the process of mining them is, is just a massive uh, undertaking. Um, but I will, uh, I will definitely value uh, all of those things much more in my life. So you've already talked about the value of laughter and, and the value of humor, and clearly it plays a huge role in your life. Um, chapter 7, which is the next to the last chapter in the book, is about the priceless pearls of laughter. Oh yes, that's where I. That's really where I am in my life, and and
2: with the um, I'm like I'm going to Texas next week to speak for a Abilene Women's Club, huge event. I'm going. Oh wow, I've been shopping for weeks for the outfit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I I came across a little blingy jacket, and I thought, there you go. That's a little Texan has a little has a little savoir faire to it, you know. But right. um, but I will um. What I love to do is make make people laugh. Uh, I have life stories that I tell. I, I just submitted a new CD, the send CDs, to um, Sirius XM in New York, and they've been wonderful to play my comedy. And I've had a lot of fun with it. And uh, the, the difference between a humorist, which I am, and a comedian is the fact that a comedian just has a singer, boom, 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 funny stuff. The humorist sets up a story that may have a life lesson in it and and right. tells that. And can I tell you my, my latest funny one? Oh, absolutely. just happened two weeks ago at our little grocery store here. It's IGA, little grocery store. So I'm in there, and I'm just riding high on my Pearl Book. You know, it's done really well on Amazon. I'm very thankful. And I'm thinking, you know, this is good. But there are those people that will help remind you and put your feet squarely on the ground, and this was definitely one of them. I heard are you Jane Hurlong? This real sweet accent, country woman. I said I am. I love your book. And I said oh <laughs> thank you. Oh it's the Pearl book. No no it's the one about the titties. So that's the ta-ta. <laughs> I said oh. She said oh yeah honey you know where I got it from. And I said where? She said a yard sale. It was a quarter. <laughs> and then. She proceeded. Of course, as a humorist, I'm going, thank you, Jesus. This is a good one, you know. And she said, I can use this story. She said, I did the math, and if I subtract and add it up and think about it, I just spend a little over 12 cents a titty. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> is that not funny? <laughs> then she said, I'm going to share it. I'm going to share this book. I said, oh, you are? I'm scared to ask. She said, I'm going to put it in my yard sale, and I bet you I can get my quarterback. <laughs> oh, how funny. And I'm thinking about all the money I spent having to think illustrated because I self-published the first two books. And
0: right.
2: <laughs> the Pearl book, thank goodness I got a publisher. But, um, oh, my gosh, I laughed so hard. But I thought, there's a, there you go. See how <laughs> people can remind you, hey, you know, chop, b- bring you right back down to earth right there.
1: Oh, so it was, so was
2: just funny. funny. So those are the kinds of things I look for and i include in my right. my presentations
1: well i i love how you end the book because the this chapter is called our inheritance and on on my radio show uh which is on blog talk radio uh called solutions live that's where we post all of our executive girlfriends group calls my theme music for that show is nicole nord nordman's uh song legacy uh-huh. I want to le- I want to leave a legacy. How will they remember me? You know, did I choose to love? Um, and and so when when we look at at life, and you've talked about how we can't just uh, well, we need to be in the moment because you miss a lot of things if you're not. But if you don't think about where we are in the big scheme of things, in the scheme of eternity, or in, in uh, the perspective of just being here on Earth versus being a part of this you know enormous galaxy and and the universe um you know we we can get really skewed <laughs> in our thinking
2: we definitely can, and what we what our inheritance actually should be is the things maybe not physical, but the mental things that have created who we are. That we can give back that our children's children's children can say, "Oh wow, there was a story about my mother, grandmother great grandmother, and it was that or grandfather that he or she did you know that to me is a lasting pearl, a pearl that that mentally we should be handing down I mean I am not only crafting my home, you're not only crafting your home, Chickie, we are crafting a home for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, if God allows us that timeline to live to see it. This is a, a, a passing of the baton, a passing of the pearls. And we've got to remember that. We are influencing generations yet not born. Right. And that's our inheritance
1: absolutely and you know that fits right in into uh you know my focus on on leaving that legacy and 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 breaking some of the the negative legacies that have been left by previous generations i mean i i absolutely. talk all the time to my son about uh my husband grew up in a home with an alcoholic father who was uh just very um very matter-of-fact about everything uh but he was really focused on personal belongings. And so, you know, if you broke something, I mean, you were in a world of hurt and trouble. Whereas in my home, you know, it was all about people and hearts. And, you know, we talked about, I came out, you know, from a missionary background on both sides of the family and my parents were missionaries and my dad was a pastor and, you know, we never had stuff. So, uh, you know, we couldn't get too wrapped around the axle about possessions. Um, but my my husband grew up in in a, a family of of anger and you know never knowing what temperament the father was going to be in when when he would walk in the door, and and so my husband of course took on a lot of that and so I'm trying to help my kids understand, you know how their dad is trying to communicate and I mean he's a godly man and he you know he loves them and he's a really good father. But you know, we still every once in a while have to deal with that. You know, why is Dad reacting like this? And
2: oh, sure, and
1: uh, you know, and he's carrying forward that legacy, and I'm trying to break it so that my son, you know, doesn't have an angry home with his kids. Well, you've got to do that, and you've got to stop that generational.
2: I call it the generational curse. I think it is, and I think that um, we have to make a decisive move that that will not be a part of our lives and. In the year that my mother died, right before she passed away four years ago, I heard very, very strongly I had to get ready, then I heard get rid of. And I heard if you get ready and you get rid of, you're gonna be amazed. And I got rid of. Mm. I mean I could tell as much as I love my my daddy's family and I really leaned on them thinking they would help me through these deaths, they didn't. And it's been it's been a pruning and I have just had to say, I love you, but I don't like you, and you have to stay on this side of my life. And that's one of the hardest thing for me as growing up and trying to live a Christian life is just how far do you take the love of Christ. And I think one of the most eye-opening quotes I read was from Jan Savilius' book, Foolproof Your Life. And she says, sometimes turning the other cheek can get you in more trouble, and you have to have rational intelligence and relational right. intelligence. Because some people like to <laughs> you. Some people truly like to slap your face. They enjoy it. And and that's the quote where Jesus said, knock the dust off your sandals. And so, you know, a lot of times we keep thinking we're the chosen one that's going to do this and do that, but that's not true. You've really got to know where your place is. So I've learned that they're just going to keep slapping me. So I'm going to keep them on the other side of that counter so their hand can't get to my face. I don't want to lose how I was created in the natural gifts and talents that I have. So I can't let that pollute me. And that really is what it is. I was just on the phone with a very good friend that we're dealing with similar things. And, you know, she has had to put people in her family on a place where they can't get to her. She has to put that shield and you have to do that.
1: Absolutely. Well, Jane, I'd like to to end on a musical note, if you don't mind. I understand that uh, in addition to being a talented humorist and a wonderful author, uh, that you actually have a pretty amazing voice as well. So do you mind? Not at all. What what song would you like to hear? Name that tune. I am just going to leave it to you because... uh, (laughs) uh, I think that that's best. You you know the ones that you love.
2: I think I'll I will share a song that I, I wish I could pull it up on my computer, that I could sing with the music. But one of my favorite songs is an old Barbara Streisand tune called "Don't Rain on My Parade." Mm,
1: I love that. And I
2: love that song. I can do a cappella for you. Are you ready? I am. Don't tell me not to live, just sittin' and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a
0: ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to fly, I've simply got to. If someone takes a spill, it's me, it's not you. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. I'll march my band out. I'll beat my drum, and if I'm found out, you'll turn it back, sir. At least I didn't fake it, hat sir. Guess I didn't make it, but whether I'm the rose of sheer perfection, a freckle on the nose of life's complexion, the Cinderella or the apple of desire, I gotta fly once, I gotta try once, only can die once. Right, sir. Life is juicy, juicy, and you see, I gotta have my bite, sir. Get ready for me, love, because I'm a comma. I simply got to march. My heart's a drama. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my
2: parade. Oh, thank you so, oh, so you much. I, I cut it short. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that just like that pearl that we wear is a celebration of who we are, life is a grand parade. And... We need to march in it. We need to be proud. We need to live our gifts. And we need to, every gift that we have, we need to exploit for the benefit of other people.
1: Jane, thank you so much. Uh, Again, for our listeners, Jane's book, her most recent book, that is, is Bury Me With My Pearls Humor with a Spiritual Twist. Our guest's name is Jane Jenkins-Herlong. Jane, can you tell folks how they can reach you if they're interested in having you come speak
2: uh, yes. in their
1: organization uh, or if they just want to learn a little bit more about you and follow you?
2: Thank you. My website address is www.janeherlong.com or Jane. At janeherlong.com is my email address, and Terrific. my my line, my direct line is 803-480-1190, and that's how to contact me. And I'm on YouTube. If anybody wants to see some of the things I've done in the past,
1: oh, I'm glad absolutely. to have you take a that look. That would
2: be great fun to to put a face with the voice. Well, I appreciate it, Chickie. I thank you so much for this time, and I've really enjoyed sharing a little bit about, you know, what I do. And I thank you for what you do, too, because it, it's a wonderful venue to help folks learn a little bit about, you know, what we can do for other people and and
1: live well. Right, right. Well, I can't wait to dig into the rest of the book. I've, I've just, uh, you know... Th- taken little nuggets out of it, and uh, I think I need to just curl up in a, a nice chair. It's cold here in Florida today, so it's a good day to read a book.
2: Well, good. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope that book within you will be given birth. It seems like if we read other people's um, writings many times, it, it helps spark something that maybe we need to be doing, too. So,
1: Right, right. Well, I've been writing uh, on on my book for some time. I just haven't finished anything, so... Uh, I've published a number of books in, in in my uh industry uh but they're they're industry reports uh and uh I was spoiled because my very first book sold for nine hundred and ninety five dollars <laughs> and uh all oh to the quarter God. at the uh, yeah but unfortunately, you can't sell a lot of nine hundred and ninety five dollar <laughs> books but uh, I amazing. ended up raving it. I ended up breaking it into three other books later when my publisher uh, went out of business and I had to buy back my uh, my copyright from the people who bought his company. And uh, anyway, learned learned a lot about the publishing business. Uh, oh, I know. It's pretty interesting.
2: But wow, that is some kind of book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, it's it it is still in demand today occasionally I'll I'll because it was written for, you know, airlines and and hospitality companies and uh, my my industry specialty is uh distribution of of uh primarily the travel product, but uh anyway, it's it's been a fun ride. We'll we'll, we'll talk about really that another day. Are,
2: well, people are looking for answers to their problems. Yeah. I mean, that that's what they want. So any kind of book that we write you know, we all, people aren't going to invest in it unless it addresses something that can help them.
1: Exactly. That's just exactly. where we are in life. Well, I hope you have a wonderful weekend, Jane, and thank you again for being so flexible on timing today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. All right, terrific. And for those of you who are listening, if you'd like to know more about the Executive Girlfriends Group, you can go to www.executivegirlfriendsgroup.com or look for Executive Girlfriends Group on Facebook. Thanks so much, and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye, Jane. Bye. Thank you, Jiggy.
0: You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald.